got the message. We got the message, homie. Not really. <laughs> you didn't get the message? I can't understand that guy. It's about his vibe. Okay. It's about his vibe. Okay. It's... I like that. Now, first of all, I use music that is uh, com- I can commercially license through Artlist, and uh, I just really like it. I really like the attitude because it's just this like fu kind of mentality that he has. Like, and that's what that's what this is all about. I guess I'd like to see the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I will get them for you. Okay. I will get them for you. So, everyone, uh, happy New Year! This is uh, January one recording of two thousand twenty three. The Closed Network Privacy Podcast, episode number 22. And for a while now, I have been hinting that I'm going to try to get my mom on the podcast. And since we've been together through the holidays, and I saw an opportunity while you were at my house to lock you down into the studio, which is just my basement, (laughs) Um, to uh, get you on the show. So, uh, Mima, thanks thanks for coming on the show. Hey, I'm thrilled. This is this is a treat. It's it's been fun. I've had a quite a few people uh, make comments about looking forward to having you on, as you are kind of a not a super techie person at all, and have uh, gone through this journey over the last better part of a couple years now and different facets that we'll cover. Uh, so, so yeah, this is going to be a fun episode for me, and um, I've been looking forward to this. Um, before we get into it, I want to give a special. Thank you and shout out to Richard G, uh, one of the actually the first Patreon on the Patreon channel. This podcast is only supported by myself and the people, the producers who listen to the show. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to everyone in our Matrix chat. I think last time I checked, we're somewhere around 115, 110, 115 people. It's been awesome interacting with everyone and really been enjoying all of the conversations going back and forth on that. Also, we set up a Mastodon server for Closed Network. I haven't actually mentioned this yet, but we've been doing it for like six weeks or so. Uh, And you can sign up if you just go to closednetwork.io. There's a link that just says join our Mastodon and you're welcome to sign up and become part of our community. Mastodon, for those who are not familiar, is a Twitter-like experience, but it's open source software. We're hosting our own server, and we're federated, which means we can you can follow people on other Mastodon inst- uh, instances, interact with their toots, which is kind of like a tweet, and post stuff. And it might be a lot more... Uh, I, not more, but it might be an easier way to interact with other people in the community within this privacy, you know, security, like-minded space where an an ongoing flow of consciousness kind of chat like is happening in the Matrix chat is kind of hard sometimes to jump in and follow and, and learn who's who, um, though we absolutely... Would love for you to join that if it's not your cup of tea and you're more of a social media, like an app on your phone kind of a person, then uh, Mastodon might be the great you know, way to go. There's some really good Mastodon applications you can download and use to your phone as well. Uh, like I use Tusky. There's Toodle. There's some other good ones out there. But you, uh, you just go to closednetwork.io. Click join our Mastodon. You can sign up an account with your email address and password. You can use an alias email, whatever you want. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, join the community. You can post pictures and whatever, whatever. It doesn't always have to be just privacy security. I want to see pictures of your cat and your dog and your Raspberry Pi. I want to see it all. So 
uh, feel free to join over uh, there in, on the uh, Mastodon. And as, as always, um, just a big thank you to our community members and our, our uh, moderators. And just a huge help keeping things moving along. And uh, yeah, so we'll get a little bit more into how you can support the podcast. But I wanted to get uh, get into this with you because I also don't want to monopolize all of your time. <laughs> so uh, Mima, Mima, hey, yeah, Happy New Year! So Happy New Year! Um, I joined your Matrix account probably a year ago, and uh, find it very nerdy. <laughs> As I do a lot of your podcasts, I do enjoy your podcasts, and I try to listen to them, and when they get really nerdy, I just like, you know, because you're my son, I'll suffer through it sometimes, <laughs> but I know you have an audience that speak nerd, all things nerd, and that that's a great place for them. And we do speak a lot of nerd, and and thanks to my nerd buddies, uh, Mattis Max and Unintelligent7 for helping moderate and be producers and, and helping moderate those channels. Um, so far, I, we haven't had very many issues, but they're always uh, answering questions and welcoming people. But we do nerd out quite a bit. And I've had a Mastodon account for a couple of years. Um, right. Through another, I got through another podcast that um, offered Mastodon a few years ago. Right. I think five years ago, actually. Yeah. And... Um, I still, I mean, I read it, mm-hmm. and I use the Tusky. Um, I was using Tootle, but um, I found Tusky a little easier yeah. uh, app. And um, I like reading other people's posts. I'm right. a little shy to post myself, you know, like I'm not going to say something worthy or something, <laughs> you know, like I'm so boomer. Um, but... Uh, but I do like that it is a world of social media that is not being uh, fed to me through an algo or right. whatever, you know, and I can follow the people I want to. And um, so I will have you show me how to get over on your on my incidents. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of neat because there's always i I know what podcasts are referring to and they also have a live chat system which is similar to matrix they use irc it's really hard to follow it seems kind of hard to jump in somewhere whereas mastodon like twitter you can kind of be passive consumer and just read people's content as you want to and if you're interested in specific people you can just follow them and you can just like their stuff Mm -hmm. even if you don't feel like posting anything uh, you're right. It's not manipulated by an algorithm. There's no social graph algorithm that's trying to present content to you that it thinks you'd be interested in. You only see what from what you follow. There's nothing else really going on. There's no advertisements either, and there's no collection and selling of your data. Uh, now, the instance owners like myself um, do have access to logs, like IP addresses and stuff like that. But you know that's. That's more just kind of like how the system works. It's not, you know, but but there's no selling data or collecting data or anything like that as far as far as personal information or trying to mine and target someone specifically. So also Mastodon accounts are portable. You can move your account from one server to another. It's a little challenging, but things are getting easier as it's gaining popularity. So it's really neat to see it grow, especially with all the... Well, stuff going yeah, on with I mean, Elon yeah. taking over Twitter and everything. Right, so. all these people, 
well, I mean, I'll just be me. But all, all these people jumping ship from right. Twitter as like a virtual signaling, signaling right. I can't be a part of that, you know, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he's whatever, whatever. And um, I think it's comical, you know, that, I agree. that they're like, and then they're like popping up trying to be like, let me show you how to use Mastodon. Right. You know, like yeah. to other journalists writing their little how to's and yeah. stuff. And it's like, dude, you guys are so. Meanwhile, the Twitter files dumps are coming out exposing what Twitter was act has actually been doing evidence of manipulation but yet they are so quick to jump ship because i can't be a part of this now that elon has taken it over and i'm not a huge elon fan and innocent i'm just saying that it, it's the irony and people jumping ship because they think oh now it's bad well it's been yeah. bad all well, along <laughs> so well, you yeah. know and i never have posted on twitter but i do have twitter access right we'll read stuff and currently, I'm just following Elon because I think it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. It you is know, funny. You never know what's going to be said next. I agree. And, um, but uh, so part of my rebellion mm-hmm. is that when I was growing up, you know, we had Walter Cronkite and people like that on black and white TV. Mm-hmm. And they were like gods. They brought you the news. You know, and I was young, mm-hmm. and I believed everything they said. Um, and maybe most of what they were saying was not trying to manipulate me. But I was just a kid. I'm watching um, JFK being shot. I'm watching Vietnam War pieces right. that I didn't even understand at the time because I didn't know anybody that went to the war, whatever. Uh, but there was something that was deep down in me just trusting you know, that these guys were boots on the ground. So to see these journalists today jump ship when there's something to be exposed and, you know, really investigated. I don't, I don't think any one particular platform should have that much. One single platform should have that much influence on how people get information. So I'm all for a breakup of ways and channels for people to consume information and, and follow. It also gives you an opportunity to kind of see more uh, with things like Substack and Mastodon that are outside the traditional controlled platforms and what I don't care who you are. Twitter is controlled. It's still controlled today and it has mm-hmm. been controlled. Facebook has been controlled. When I say controlled, I mean, someone is controlling how and what people see and when you're not seeing stuff as it happens you're seeing it as it's being presented to you and it's curated based upon all these different facets of your and characteristics of your personality and what traits and what leans you have politically or religious wise and who your friends are and what their leaning uh political views are and things like that so it's not unfiltered it's highly filtered and curated. And I think what you're saying is you had more of an experience where everyone was consuming from the same source and it felt like it was more authentic, genuine. There was probably less, I mean, there still might've been narrative manipulation, you know, coming down from the higher ups, but mm-hmm. as far as the, the presentation of the, of the news and everything, it was very consistent. There was continuity in the, in the seriousness of the matter and so you felt like it was more impactful versus now anyone really can be a journalist. And that's a good and a bad thing, in my opinion. But I also think that it's better when we can seek out 
and follow individuals who are reporting, they might have a bias. We all kind of take that into an account, but it allows us to consume information from a multitude of different sources. And I think anywhere where we can do that where it's not centralized is always going to benefit all of us. Uh, and that's, you know, and, and I, I have always been the type of personality, not always, but for my adult period of life, I've been trying to read both sides of, of the coin or of the, of the situation. Uh, there's always like three sides to the story, in my opinion, right? One side, the other side, and the truth somewhere in the middle. Because stories are called stories. They're reporting perception from a specific vantage point. Uh, they, you know, try as they might, try, people try to be as honest and, you know, not always in the traditional media, but I think that a lot of journalists are really trying to bring facts to the table. There's always going to be some editorial aspect of it. And that's what makes it a story uh, to a degree. Yeah. So something I remember, like, you know, the politicians were separate from the journalists. And so when things would happen politically, they were pushing a story politically. The politicians were. But the journalist was trying to get to the deeper part Mm -hmm. to investigate it Um, and like Watergate, you know, Mm -hmm. today I feel like they're in bed together. There's just no difference, you know, and you're just getting one story. You're not getting two stories to compare Mm -hmm. to if you're just on the, you know, uh, main media Mm -hmm. selections or Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this morning you showed, you know, I, I told you, you know, that I was listening to a podcast about the war dogs and then that went into um, you showing me this uh, Zimbabwe story uh, Mm -hmm. on Joe Rogan that, you know, exposed this journalist went deep, right? He filmed 15,000 people mining cobalt, right? you know, uh, when when on the surface story, we're all supposed to believe that... that all of our electronics and iPhones and electric vehicles and everything, there's no bad right. stuff happening. There's no artesian miners. It's all done with, you know, traditional industrial equipment. Yeah. Right. So so that to me is a journalist story. Right. Right? That's what I appreciate in journalism. The stuff you get from all the things you talked about, that that's just mind control. Yeah. Yep. And and if there's a news story that breaks, it's the same narrative on all five channels, CNN, CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, all the same exact language being used. There's, is, there's nothing to compare one to the other or right. whatever. And so deep inside of me, I, I despise somebody trying to manipulate me. I don't right. I don't know why I'm wired that way, but I've been that way since you know, I was three years old. Right. So um I was a hard child to to raise. And and that's why I was interested, you know, in Well, and you also grew up in a time where people started not not thinking, because I think people have always thought with independent thought and freedom, but there was like a more of a a freeing of, of, of communicating and using words to take a position on something when you saw something that was 
injustice against others. You know, uh, there was more power in, in numbers of speaking out against things that you saw as evil, whether it was the Vietnam War or whether it was position on, on Cold War, um, pointing nuclear weapons at each other and all these different things. It just, it, it was always an action to get somebody else to bend to their knee. And it's usually done with power, fear, or manipulation. Uh, going back to you know Nazi Germany, it was the media was heavily used as a manipulation tool to get people to kind of buy into a certain way of thinking. They may not have completely agreed with it or anything, but it was like, well, this seems like the best way to go, I guess. Right? This is what we're being told, and and so you can manipulate the masses if you control the media, if you control the propaganda, and you add and, the component of fear, right? And, and and so. What I see, as far as in my lifetime now, growing up, is not just that marriage between media and government, but now you add in big tech. Yeah. Right? And big tech is basically in all of our pockets. Mm -hmm. It's in our homes. It's in our workplaces. And now it's added this surveillance layer, whether people will say, well, it's just used for marketing or, or not. It is a surveillance layer that's a new piece of our lives that hasn't been a part of your entire life, but has been for most of your adult life now, or mm-hmm. you know, a large portion of it, and almost for the entirety of mine, where you cannot even function in this day and age without an email address, a phone number, a way to see if you're a text message for a two-factor authentication, um, possibly have some sort of video chat capabilities and things, whether you're you know, for your job and other things, and that might not just be for your job, it may be the only way that you could ha- have your child see a doctor through a teledoc app on a mm-hmm. phone. Like you're kind of like you, you can't just say, I'm going to opt out. I'm not going to have an internet connection at my house. I mean, you can, but it's going to be a challenging time. You know, if you try to opt out of, of big tech, it's definitely going to inconvenience uh, your day-to-day choices, routines, and the way to integrate, whether it's paying bills or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, most of it's all done online now. Mm-hmm. And so, I kind of see this, <laughs> that is like another uh, separator if you're looking at things just kind of like chronologically and like linear from, you know, the events that, you know, you've seen that you've witnessed and the way that the news has trans- transitioned and people's mentality. And now you add in the big tech layer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, that's what we talk a lot about on this podcast is how we can maybe not become invisible, but how we can at least reduce our surveillance scope. Yeah. <clears throat> and you um, you first got me um, in, interested in looking outside of the norm for security. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like probably every American who's online, um, I fell prey to ordering something online that I couldn't unsubscribe. Right, and it was um, access my bank account, you know, or, or my credit card. Right, my credit card, and even when I changed my credit card, they were still able to charge me monthly. I, I think it was like sixty dollars or something like that. And, yeah, and. So um, you helped me to uh, learn how to use privacy.com right. and compartmentalize my purchases 
so that if I was buying something online, and this has proven to be so helpful and saved save me so much headache um, from companies who are hackers or whoever mm-hmm. who charge my credit card because I used it online for something, to purchase right. something. So you you showed me how to get on privacy.com and to to uh, get a new credit card and use it for this one purchase and set the limit and say one-time use and then go back after that purchase and pause it so nobody can access it. Right. And uh, it's it saved me so much. And I did get out of that other subscription. Right, right. And uh, hopefully because... Um, because I do practice these things where when I purchase, I go to privacy.com. You help me set up a password manager. Mm-hmm. I use Bitwarden. It's awesome. You know, I probably have a hundred passwords in there so I can have more secure passwords and not have to remember them. I'm sure there's other apps and stuff, but oh, this yeah, one is sure. just encrypted. It's just like super helpful and it gives me a sense of security. And that gives me a sense of more calm and peace, you know, right. inside. And um, and then so so implementing those things. And then like I use Gmail for a number of years, and it's I had to abandon my Gmail account because it's so full of junk, and it doesn't. I could spend days going through and unsubscribing. We've all been there, and, and you just, end up getting resubscribed somehow and you don't even know how. Right. And, and it's yeah. just, I can't manage it or I, if I could manage it, there would be no time left over in my life to do anything enjoyable. So, um, so I abandon uh, Gmail. I mean, I still keep the Gmail. Sure, as you want to. And I always recommend to everybody, even if you find, you know, yourself moving to another email service, whether it's Proton or Tutanota or self-hosting or something of that nature. You don't want to delete old email accounts, especially ones that you've had for years or decades. And if you, most people have a Gmail account or Yahoo, and just because it's, uh, you know, not something you use on the daily, you don't want to delete it. Right. Uh, Because you don't want someone else to be able to register that email account and assume your identity somehow. And somehow after using it for a decade or more, you know, there are some things that are tied to it that I never thought about. Right. And and so if I need my password updated or whatever, I've got to be able to get to that Gmail account. Correct. To get that one thing. Correct. So I will probably never d- totally delete my sure. Gmail. Um, but uh, I just don't use it. And I use Proton Mail, And I love, I love that. And I'm able to manage it without it taking up days of my time to go in and right. delete and you know see what was in there that was important. I look at it daily. I can see I have folders for where I want to keep some stuff. Mm-hmm. I delete the rest and you know I'm good. And I don't give out my proton mail unless I absolutely have to. Right. My proton mail address. So that's where you showed me how to set up a pseudo mail. Right. So I have <laughs> the first pseudo mail I set up. I used to, like, you know, I'm from, uh, I, I was raised in the 60s and 70s, born in the 50s. And and um, there were some movie stars that, women, you right. know, that were like, 
oh, the most beautiful woman. Right. So the first one I set up, I set up in her name. You know? <laughs> and then I thought, well, this one might not go well for using it as a pseudo because people might think, what? Right. Why is she using this? So I set up a second one. Nice. It's a silly name, but yeah. You know. yeah. And, um, and I can access that uh, so easily right. on my phone. So that if I use that email, I can get a confirmation to that email right yep. there on my phone, no problem, and it works beautifully. And I never look at the account to see yeah. what else has been sent because it's going to be junk. It's, it's going to be junk. You junk. don't care. There's nothing important. Anything important like medically or right. related, you know, uh, goes through protons. So anyway, no, that's, that's that's how you got me hooked. Right was because. That was the first reason was it was people were stealing my credit cards and I was having to get my Citibank card replaced three or four times a year. I remember that. And then you have to go back to all those places you have automatic payments on it. And it's just, it. it's, a- it's just hackers are always going to be there. They're always going to be stealing that stuff. Yep. But you, you've taught me how to secure it down better. Right. It's and harder to get to. It's harder to get to. You just become a more more viable, you know, uh, opponent. They want easy targets, soft targets. When I say they, I mean hackers, people who are just trying to use information they've either purchased or found online for malicious intent. And when you can lock yourself down, it, you know, you're, you're never really going to be able to make yourself 100% secure. It just doesn't exist. It, it, the only way that it does is if you just don't go online and you don't live at all, you live in a cabin and you're off grid. That's not most of our lives. But you can make it much more difficult to gain access to your information or your financial rec, you know, credit cards and things of that nature. Um, you can, it's easier I won't say it's easier, but there are tools that make it easier to do that now. And it has gotten easier. Uh, I've been kind of your IT person for the last 20 years and uh, supporting, helping you with like your, you know, machines, your computers at home. Uh, And, you know, you're on Windows for a long time. I kind of got you to try Linux, but Linux also was not so great back then, but you gave it a go. And then uh, somewhere, I think in the mid two thousands, late two thousands, uh, switched you to Macs, mm-hmm. which which um, which I still use today. You still use today. They're great for computers. We 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 do love Linux, but it's just it, ease of use. I think that it's a lot easier to kind of like lock things down with Mac with a Mac than it is like with Windows, and also just more protection from viruses and malware. They do exist for it, but they're just not as uh, wild and rampant. So. It was natural that you would use an iPhone because you kind of became, you know, an Apple user uh, and you were... And an Apple Watch. And an Apple Watch person and all that kind of thing. And an iPad. An iPad. You know, and it's yeah. kind of common when you when you purchase, especially a computer, a Mac computer, not everyone who has an iPhone uses Macs, but typically people who have Macs will use an iPhone because mm-hmm. they work so well with each other. Right. And uh, so I would say for probably the last 10 or so years... Uh, you've been using an iPhone, right? Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. Up until this year. Up until this year. Right. So yeah. uh, I think I switched in July. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So um, you decided that you wanted off the Apple wagon, you know, or at least a, a beginning of the journey, right? You're not trying to dump everything overnight or whatever, right. just like you didn't get to where you are overnight with using password managers, using Proton Mail, and, you know, all the other tools like pseudo tools and things of that nature, mm-hmm. um, privacy.com and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
you kind of did it over time. And as you saw the value and investing into learning how to use some of these tools, you decided to make the plunge into, all right, well, how can I get rid of my iPhone next? Right. And I thought about it for months. Right. You know, Um, and then I decided, all right, my birthday was coming up in a few months Mm -hmm. and that we'd go ahead and we'd, we'd buy me a D Google phone Mm -hmm. or well, uh, it's a pixel phone, a pixel phone that we do Googled. Yeah. And, um, and that I'd go ahead and jump in. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that thinking about it for two months because there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast and they're live in the chat. So, you know, they come in and I understand it's like, well, I really rely on my iPhone and I, and and I understand, and there's no shame in using an iPhone or a stock Android phone. The last thing I ever want to do is make someone give anyone any kind of guilt or anxiety for not being de-Googled on their mobile device. I understand. I still use an iPhone every day. It's part of my job. I have to have certain apps and, and certain integrations. But I also have my Pixel in my pocket, my personal device, which is running Graphene OS. So I get it. So just ex- tell me your fear and your um, uncomfortability with that process before saying, like, okay, I'm going to try this. Well, you know. everything we do is tied to our phones. Everything. I mean, it's like it's like a appendage, right, of of who we are. And so, I had used iPhone and Mac, and then I had gotten an Apple Watch like a couple years ago, and um, so, like, I still work, and our insurance company. Um, has a activity app mm-hmm. that you can earn points every day by reaching certain goals. And my company, uh, once you reach a certain level on those goals, you don't have to pay your premium for your insurance for the rest of the year. That is a huge incentive. Yes. To meet those phys- those fitness goals. Right. So would this new... You know, uh, Degogold phone <laughs> running graphing OS. Right. Would I? Would those apps work on that? That is money to me. It's right. money. I mean, it's it's part of my paycheck. Right. To reach those goals, have it connected. Uh, so to you're, that app. you're using an app, an iPhone. You have your Apple Watch. You have the apps on your phone to track this stuff, so that they can send the fitness goal information to the data back to the healthcare provider and based on the outcome of those uh, metrics determines whether or not you get, you get comped essentially mm-hmm. for your healthcare plans, uh, installment plan, what you would normally pay. Right. Right. And, and just for the first time I received an email from my, uh, from our financial coordinator. Oh, you're going to get $600 rebate back for hitting your goal. Seven months early, right? That's incredible. So, I mean, we're talking money. Yeah. The thing is, is that when I was using my Apple Watch, and I mean, yeah, my Apple Watch and my my phone, my iPhone, and communicating to that insurance health app, there were glitches. There, it wouldn't count all the points for me. Mm. Um, it it would. It, 
there was problems. And every time, every year we have this big meeting with the insurance people and talk about the goals right. and everything. And we would bring this up. Those of us who had an iPhone had issues. Mm. Even if we used like a Fitbit, but right. we, but it was going through our iPhone. Right. And they said, well, unfortunately, our platform doesn't work well with with." Which is mind blowing because in the United States, I think that Apple is a probably a half or larger uh, market share for uh, f- mobile phones and mobile devices. Right. So that is kind of mind blowing that it was kind of not work so great with Apple. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's the only explanation. It and it makes, happened over several years. Kind of makes me wonder if it wasn't intentional a little bit, you know, so they wouldn't maybe have to, they could say, well, there's glitches with Apple and maybe not everyone hits their goals and so they don't have to comp. Could you know, be. I don't or know. maybe they had a deal with Android or something. Maybe. Right? Right. I mean, who knows what goes on in back rooms. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I made the decision to switch over to a Garmin watch. Right. And and then use the Garmin app on my phone to talk to my uh, to your healthcare provider. Still on your iPhone though at this point. Still yep. on my iPhone, and um, the Garmin watch was much better at recording all of my activities and getting me the points. Gotcha. And it happened quicker. You know, uh, they'd show up quicker in my account. Right. Than so there was something about the Apple Watch and the iPhone in that. So when when we're talking about me transitioning to a new phone, a non-iPhone, mm-hmm. that was in the back of my mind. Like, well, maybe some things might actually work better. Right. And that, I'm like, yeah, I'm willing. And hmm. plus, you had been talking on your podcast through these um, this last year or year and a half and like i could hear you saying that there were things that were working better right and then the one big deal that i had about switching to was what about my thirty thousand photos right in the icloud you know right. <laughs> like how am i going to get those and you had just found some possibilities right that we could probably get those those photos right well, I have a Mac, so I could give up my iPhone and still access my phone. Sure, sure, yeah. So why hang on to the iPhone? Right. And then we went camping mm-hmm. last May. And we're sitting around the campfire. And we can get cell service right. at this campfire. And uh, there's a guy there, and he he's part of our crew. Mm-hmm. And he had, <laughs> he had brought this miniature leaf blower to clean up his camp area site right and we're all making fun of him and everything and which has actually turned out to be a brilliant idea to carry a small little leaf blower when you go camping because <laughs> you can blow all the dust and leaves and stuff off your camping gear it's yeah, great. yeah it's brilliant it was but what showed up on those of us who had iphones and siri what showed up on our phones immediately leaf blower ads leaf blower ads. right right okay coincidence all right, so then later we were talking about a neighbor of yours, and your wife was telling me, my daughter-in-law, she's telling me about this really unique ice machine that your neighbor showed you when they had you over for dinner, and they offered to give it to you. Right. 
And that damn ice machine showed up on the phones. Right. As an ad. And that, I'm like, hell no. I am so tired of the manipulation, not only in the algorithms, Facebook and all that stuff, but my own phone is right. using me as a product. I'm not using it as a product. It's using right. me as a product. And going back to that innate thing in me that doesn't like to be manipulated, used mm -hmm. in any way, you know, I'm just like, I'm ready to pull the plug. Let's do this. So then it was just three or four months later. And, and it's interesting you say that because I think for a lot of people who are looking out for their best interest when it comes to privacy and security have some kind of moment uh, where they just get fed up and they may not be able to do everything as fast as they want to, but they're now committed to say, I'm going to make changes. I'm going to slowly find alternatives to provide the same products and solutions that I have come to rely on, but I don't want to rely on one sole provider for these any longer, whether it's a, a Google platform or an Apple platform. And that is, I think the hardest part is getting to that point, but not knowing what to do about it. You know, like you get so frustrated with that within in that moment. Like I finally, I've had it. I'm done with this. I'm tired of these targeted ads. I'm tired of rather than my device be a teammate for me, it's a spy. Mm -hmm. And all it's doing is it's reporting back to the mothership, everything that I'm doing. Um, I will post a link to this article that just came out on December 28th. Uh, it's an article that uh, James, uh, I think his last name is um, Cridlin. It's his personal blog. I think it's like a Substack type thing. Uh, he posted uh, a, a pretty detailed article about him requesting all of his data from Apple. And I won't go through the whole thing. Uh, I won't go through all of it. But one of the things I wanted to show you, Mima, and kind of the audience, and I, like I said, I'll have a link to this in the show notes, is I'm just going to show this. I'm just going to talk about this one particular uh, piece, which is uh, the podcast's play state. And it says, this is within Apple Media Services under the store's activity information. And he says, it's fascinating since it lists podcasts that have been played on his device he says, here's what Apple says it is. And he has a screenshot of an Excel, like a, basically an Excel document. Um, and it says, he says, I don't use podcasts normally. He, he says, I don't, I don't use the Apple podcast app normally to listen to podcasts. So there's not much here. He goes, this appears to be downloads uh, that have never been played. And he says, quotes, the ones in the yes column have been played. And the ones that I have played, uh, and for how long? Says, I'd love to see this kind of data for people who are using Apple Podcasts as their daily podcast app. And when I when I blow this up, I don't know if you can see this on the screen, Ma, but basically it shows the feed. So it shows the podcast that uh, is subscribed, and it shows whether it was manually set, is it new, the last time it played, any playback position, the play count, and has it been played, yes or no, right? So this is just an example of collected information. So this is this is from his podcast app, the Apple podcast app from his iPhone. And tracking, it's like, look, we understand that some technology needs to track to make sure it's successfully connected, that it's successfully subscribed or unsubscribed, um, downloaded a podcast. But the fact that it keeps this level of granular information 
and it's stored indefinitely forever. This is an interesting piece of you know information that a lot of news, media, governments perhaps would love to get their hands on because if you can see what podcasts people listen to at what frequency, what's the nature of the content of them, you could start bucketing individuals into certain cohorts or interest pools that could be looked at as problematic down the road, speaking out, you know, uh, civil dissidents, you know, and, and non-compliance, right? If you're listening to podcasts that may be considered or deemed radical <laughs> or, or even terrorist in some situations, even though that's not how we would classify it, you know, as sane, rational individuals who are just looking for a plethora of information. But, and if you're not getting your information from the chosen source, then you might be classified or looked at or deemed as like some sort of fringe a threat. A threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is just an example, right? Now, uh, of of the surveillance, the reporting, the manipulation. So these ads that you're talking about. Well, yeah, I'm sure, I'm pretty convinced that the devices are listening to us, that they are actually harvesting keywords uh, for marketing purposes, maybe for other purposes as well. But in order to target that ad back to you, they have to know a lot about you and they also have to have access to you through your device. So there's no such thing as having an Apple phone, not really. I'm sure there are ways, but not not through the traditional means where you can have an Apple phone where they don't explicitly know your identity. Because when you sign up, they force you right into the Apple iCloud system and in order to download apps, especially if you have any cost to it, you have to put in your name with, along with your financial information because you would think, well, I have to put in my real name because it matches what's on my credit card, so on and so forth, right? So Apple uh, and, and Google both do the same thing when you set up a Google uh, or an Android device, whether it's a Samsung or Pixel or any, any kind of Android phone, you log into the phone using your Gmail address. Right. And that Gmail address is connected to the Play Store, which is connected to your financial information. It's connected to your email, which they have all the access to. And the same on Apple's side, right? So they, they all have access. They, they, what, I'm, what, what I'm saying is they know definitively who you are on the planet as being that actual person. And now all data that's collected from that device through all these apps, like this podcast app is a great example, uh, through what apps you download, where you go on the internet, so on and so forth, it's all 100% tied to a verifiable identity, which is you. Because it's very unlikely that you're sharing your phone with five other individuals. Right. Right. I mean, it's just not... Yeah, so it's it's building a more and more... What they... Precise profile of of my usage. Correct. They're wrong on who I am. Correct. But they they can categorize me according to their algorithm or right. or their set of standards or categories or whatever. Um, and just because I hate to be manipulated, I'm sure I would be considered a threat. You right. know, seriously. Yeah. Right. I mean. <laughs> She's part of the resistance. I'm part of the resistance. <laughs> and, and I'm not. Right. Well, just personally. Sure. I'm resistant to, my, uh, to, to you breaking into my private places. Mm-hmm. I don't want you in my home. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, we got this. Um, so, we have a, a you know, 100-acre ranch, mm-hmm. but it sits on an HOA. Right. And that's just 
collectively, the couple hundred people that live out there, it pays for our roads to stay graded up. Right. Rated, uh, you know. Yeah, it takes care of just some of the infrastructure right. that's needed right. for everything to run smoothly out there. So, um, get the newsletter, you know, um, the annual newsletter, and in a a red box, it says, you know, uh, according to this uh, ordinance for the HOA, mm-hmm. all animals, including your pets, have to be fenced. Yeah. Well, we have a hundred acres, and we have. And this is on a forty-five thousand acre ranch, right? (laughs) And you have about one hundred and seventy-five to two hundred people out there. The smallest piece of land that you can legally own and put a home on is what thirty-five, forty acres. So we're not talking about a suburban neighborhood. (laughs) We're talking about extremely rural, raw land space. Right, and so they want to tell me that my dogs need to be fenced right my dogs are there to keep their security their security for us at night let's also throw out there that there is also another rancher out there who has free range cows right and the cows come right on our property right on everyone's property and that's kind of you know it's a benefit you get some tax benefit by allowing that to allow them grazing on your property but you also want don't want the cows coming up to your house. They'll ruin your stuff. They'll yeah. ruin. They'll ruin all sorts of stuff. They mainly they lean on it. Right. They like to scratch your back and lean on stuff. And they break stuff. And they break they lean stuff. On it. So to have some dogs to keep the cows at least at bay, where they're still on your. They're fine to be on the property on the right. lower area, but like you don't want them coming up to the house. You can't have a fence and also manage that situation right. unless you were to fence in in your entire property, in which you're talking about potentially. Twenty to thirty thousand dollars in fencing and right. labor and everything, right. depending upon the size of your your parcels. Right. Uh, that's a. Just, and if you fenced all that, then, and then you, you also lose the tax benefit because now the cows the can't come on your property. But the point of that was that um, so our dogs do not leave our property unless I take them hiking with me, uh, and uh, I like to hike like three or four miles, you know, yeah. out on this terrain. Um, and, uh, so this is saying that my dogs have to be fenced and this ordinance has been there probably since we first built our house out there, right. and, but they put it in a red box. They're like trying to make a point. Well, I know some people's dogs are a nuisance and they go to other people's property and you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so you're saying my dogs have to pay the price for those dogs for being, right, you know, right. untrained or whatever. Anyway, so the solution to this is don't come to my fucking property. <laughs> right. You exactly. are not welcome. Right. Whoever thinks this ordinance important, right. you know, and that everybody should follow, you're not welcome on my property. And you know us. We welcome everybody. Sure. But you're not welcome if you think that this ordinance should apply to my dogs. Right. You know, uh, the dogs are there. We got those dogs to serve a purpose at protecting our stuff from the cows. And we have animals. I was going to say, they're not just there to protect stuff from cows. They're there to protect uh, the chickens, the alpaca, the goats, and ducks and things from from predators like coyotes, which are on the property. They're den. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... It all makes sense, mm-hmm. right? 
It makes sense. Big horned owls, yes. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and yet somebody wants to jump on this like, you're a threat if you don't fence your dogs. And we have 113 acres. It's like, just stay off my property. Yeah, and, and everything's going to be fine. Everything's <laughs> going to be fine because my dogs will stay off your property. Right. So what's the issue? That's what it feels like to me mm-hmm. when, when you're talking about, oh, you're a threat. Right. So if I can categorize you as a threat, mm-hmm. then I, I can either shame you or, or, or try to apply laws to you or whatever right. that, um, that, you know, to keep you from fully exercising your freedom on your land or your space or within right. your car or, or whatever. So, you know, that's about tracking. Right. And then I'm just slowing down the amount of information they can get on me. Right. You know, who I talk to and where I go and all of that stuff. It's none of their fucking business. Right. And, and I'm not a crazy person. No. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, no. you know, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm not no. even a redneck. No, no, yeah, I, yeah. I just, we, I, I cherish my privacy right. and my freedom. And the freedom's getting chipped away at in my lifetime. Like, I can't believe it. Right. You know, but but at least I can hang on and fight the fight for my own privacy. Right, right. Um, because you, you have no business on my property. You have no business in my house unless I welcome you there. Right, and that's the way that I think a lot of people felt before that big tech layer I was talking about got layered into exactly. our lives. So, you know, when when we grew up, we had uh, we had a nice home. We, you know, lived in a nice neighborhood. And we locked the doors at night and everything. But it was like people respected boundaries. And it was welcoming to have people over because uh, it was, it was um, the, the social dynamics were self-respecting. It was respecting of people's boundaries and, you know, and, and kind of uh, their privacy. And so uh, people were very sheltered about things, about their finances. They were, you know, they would kind of hold that. I mean, obviously close friends might share things, but I mean, it wasn't like this, you weren't sharing stuff freely with the world is what I'm saying. You would share it with specific individuals that you trusted. Like your that, lawyer. Like your lawyer or a close <laughs> friend or family member, but it wasn't common knowledge. And I mean, there was always gossip and stuff, sure, and neighborhoods and communities and stuff, but, but all of your actual like Browsing habits, your your medical history, your financial information, all this stuff was for really was for private use only. And I feel like with especially going having gone through this a uh, couple years of the pandemic situation, it's really broke down the expectations of what's private use only and what should be available for everyone to to utilize about you, whether it's uh, for marketing or other purposes. And I, I I'm like. It's like it just slipped away so quickly with with yeah. this extra layer in, right, where uh, I get to choose if I want to watch the news or not. I get to choose what kind of political beliefs I want to subscribe to. But in this day and age, I feel like people don't really get to choose 
how they're surveilled digitally, which is much more invasive than anyone just coming to your door asking if you'd like to take a survey and they could just check down some boxes that you could opt in or out of. Now it's like, no, it's just being sold on the back end. Right. You don't get a say. And what's really um, become prevalent in my experience, uh, and I, I have a chronic illness that uh, has required um, therapy for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have to uh, have good insurance. I have to have good doctors and specialists. And, it, and, you know, it works for me because I went from being in a wheelchair to being able to hike three or four miles or more, you know, yeah, a big difference a of life, quality pendulum of life. Swing. Yeah. But what I've found, and then, and then your sister has a chronic illness mm-hmm. that is terminal and is, you know, takes a lot of attention, a lot of special doctors, um, and... So as her caregiver, I'm I'm navigating her stuff and my stuff. Right. Your dad, who goes to the doctor once a year, never has any right. issues. <laughs> you know, this isn't a deal about him. But so we have to register now in all these different portals right. for each hospital uh, and doctor system, right. like right. Centura, the special system your system because if you get any lab work or anything done to get the results or to get recommendations to see the specialist it's all done through the portal through the portal right. which i use bitwarden for right. all of the because it's like before it used to be just you and your doctor right and then it became you and your insurance i mean when i when i uh with my insurance they've taken over all of my prescription drugs you know, which right. used to be through um, pharmacy. Right. I don't even go to a pharmacy anymore. Right. So there's more and more places that have these records that I have to log into. And I don't like reading the fine print on everything, accepting the terms and agreement. But I did read through one. And they said they had the permission to share my medical information. And it was just after the pandemic. Mm. Who, who with who they thought was best to share it with you sure. know it's like what happened to HIPAA and what happened to you know no absolutely no on sharing my medical information right. uh and i'm just finding more and more places that you have to create an account mm-hmm. and and you know to access well and it's not even so much um that who they share it with but a lot of these medical companies uh, don't share the same standards in privacy, not necessarily privacy, but in the security of data protection. Right. And I mean, it seems like every week on Twitter, I'm seeing data breaches of medical record companies. You have zero input control. And it's not just the initial medical provider who runs the portal, but who they're sharing it with how it's transferred, how it's stored, what's the retention on that. Uh, you have zero insight into any of that. Right. It used to be they were on a, in a hard copy. I'm not saying that everything should go back to hard copy, but uh-huh. you used to go to your doctor and the, the people that were to work the front desk could manage the medical records, could just pull your file right there. And if they 
needed to send it somewhere, they would fax it somewhere, which right. I know people would be like, well, fax isn't secure. Well, you're right. But the point is that you knew exactly from where it was and where it was going. Like it was, yeah. and I know that's kind of antiquated in today's terms, but it should still be that. It should still, like if, if a doctor is sending it to a specialist that's recommending you for another, you know, scan of some kind or whatever, right. it shouldn't be, uh, you know, picked up along the way and sold or, you know, it's just... But you know, prescriptions are still done by fax. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All prescriptions are still done by fax. Yes. So so when you need a, a renewal or something, you contact your doctor and say, my my health pharmacy... Right. Or can you... I'm, I'm out of town. Can you send it to this one? You give them the location and then they fax it to them. They, have to, they do. <laughs> they right. still... I mean, I just ordered something... Uh, for your sister, you know, last week, right? And it's still all through fax. So there's some kind of security with fax because with medication and the medication issues we have around the world with um, fentanyl and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. and you know, uh, pain medication, you know, they still use fax. So it may be antiquated, yeah. it may be not fully secure, but it's more secure. Than big tech, right? Uh, right. Platforms, sure, sure. Right. Sending it in, uh, unless they were using Signal with each other, right? Right. <laughs> <Their session>. right. <laughs> so, so anyway, that. Um, yeah. No, it's um, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I think I was able to get, I think actually my first step to get you and other family members uh, even aware of kind of day-to-day use and incorporating privacy into day-to-day use was using Signal, which you used on your iPhone um, and now you still use today on your D-Google, your Pixel you know, 6 with um, uh, Graphene OS. Correct. So that was a fairly easy like proposal. <laughs> and now... And we had tried some other ones too. I sure. Your brother, Michael... Tried, uh, it yeah. got me on some different platforms. We're yeah. going to use this one for the family now. We're going to use that one. Yeah, Group Me, I think, was and one. None of them and... were as crystal clear as Signal. Yeah. Signal is so easy. Yeah. And we just have one of your siblings that's not on it. Yep. And it's a pain in the ass. It is. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll get her to come around one day. It's your job. Yeah. I'll that's get her you. To come around. It's all you. And. So we used some different ones. I don't right. know, Group Me or something. Group Me, I think it was one of them, yeah. 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 And I didn't like the feel. I mean, it didn't, we weren't, it, wasn't, it didn't seem successful. And a lot of... And like, it wasn't in an encrypted either. And so. I was watching you convert Michael mm-hmm. to a Graphene OS or mm-hmm. what's the other one? He's on Calyx OS, Calyx. but he was, he, we're going to move him over to Graphene yeah. here in the next couple uh, of weeks. And I was watching like his frustrations for a couple of years, you know, yeah, and it was like I was monitoring the <laughs> environment you, of success, right? And I'm like, I think it's now it's time to pull the trigger, <laughs> yeah. and it was right, right. So I like my phone. Yeah, I but, would say I would be completely frustrated if I didn't have you in my back pocket, and right? You're, you know, we don't live under the same roof, right? But but we're close. We're close. And um, just, just, and it could be the Pixel phone difference, mm-hmm. or you know, I haven't been on an Android since Blackberries, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know, uh, 
I'd say that there are a lot of nerds, techie people who I have. I just admire y'all so much. It without all of these people in the communities, we wouldn't have made the advances to where we are today, and we all benefit. Right. All the people who are doing stuff on open source and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, the Linux days and mm-hmm. all of that has brought us to this place right. and will continue to take us on to alternatives to what's being presented to us as the only options. Right. And just I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for all of you. To those people who are like you, You can play a vital role in your families, in your communities, by being that person in the back pocket, you know, um, and helping people and say, I'll be there for you. If you run into issues that you don't understand, we'll try to figure them out together, Mm -hmm. you know. And if you can just be patient, I know this is a non-patient world, but patience goes a long way. like Mm -hmm. I can live without my phone working for the next few hours or even 24 hours or whatever. You know, I'm getting calls, I'm getting texts, I'm okay, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But, and we've run into a couple of these, but it's not the end of the world. And you know what? I ran into them with my iPhone too. Right. You know, come on. I couldn't get my iPhone to serve me on this very important platform with the health insurance. Right. So, so, you know, being patient and flexible goes a long way. At this point, I don't run into very many issues. And the comfort level that I'm more private and less, I'm, I'm less being controlled by big tech out there somewhere. Right. Trying to control what I see, control, you know, what I buy and all of these things is uh, it's it's not it's a it's a it's a great enough payoff or, mm-hmm. you know, to to try yeah. something new. Some of the inconveniences you're experiencing um, are are worth the price of entry for that peace of mind. Right. To knowing that you're not being manipulated uh, because your phone is spying on you. Right. And the thing is, is that from the moment I got the phone and we got it set up, um, I felt less dumb. Right. You know, because that was the biggest thing I experienced at first. Right. Was how, how, how dumb Which is I was interesting because with your, the iPhone. Your phone has much more uh, configuration on it and, and different ways to do things. Like, in my opinion, the... Android in general, uh, especially if you're running something like a Google ROM, is more sophisticated, far more sophisticated in its features and submenu items of what you can do and how you can configure your privacy settings than the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so the iPhone, I think, is was designed to make everyone feel like they could do complicated things really easily. But then when you ran into a problem, there was not an easy way to troubleshoot or there wasn't very many settings to toggle on or off. It was, and- it was like you're completely ignorant. Right. It's like a play school phone, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, in the, in the eighties, you know, I got hired by a, a big tech company to just do data entry. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, I said, I was a summer job and I need to come back home to you kids, uh, f- because you're homeschooled. Right. And, <laughs> and they said, well, 
we'd like you do this really well. I had really badass data entry skills. Right. Uh, that was just something I was quick with. And I could do, you know. Um, and uh, so they asked me if I could take it home and do it from home. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, this is late 80s. And they're like, we're going to give you something called a modem and you're going to plug it into the wall and whatever. So I didn't understand. I just plugged it in the wall right. and I did my job. I, right. I dialed in, dial up, you know. You didn't need to understand as long as it worked. Right. You know. And uh, prior to that, the reason why I was so fast at data entry is because I, I had data entry jobs back uh, in the early 80s uh, where we were just plugging in data in to dumb terminals. Right. That's what they were called, dumb right. terminals. And they fed to the mainframe. That's what the iPhone felt like to me. <laughs> like, my phone was a dumb terminal. Right. And that, you know, I didn't know what was going on behind it. So if I, if I couldn't do something, I had no clue why. You're just providing an input, and it's supposed to do something on the back end and provide the output back to you. And when it didn't do that, how, where, where, did, it, where did the problem start or where's the issue yeah and we've had a couple problems here and there that we've addressed mainly uh because you you have a little bit more of an advanced setup because i have set up a next cloud server for us to use your contacts and your stuff is syncing back there Mm -hmm. which um you know every once in a while we have a little hiccup i had to do some updates on the server and everything was hunky-dory so all of us were out of pocket for like you know a couple of days on accessing some information granted we have backups take snapshots every three days the worst case scenario is we'd be out for 72 hours of some data but that's a that's part of the trade-off is because we run it right we host it we run it it's ours so our phones communicate back to our server sometimes things are going to go wrong Mm -hmm. sometimes things will fail and you know with with larger big tech companies those failures happen less often and you have don't have to worry about it but the trade-off is they have access to all your information. They have access to all your... And they can also be the gatekeeper of you getting back to your data. And if something fails, you kind of just... You're just kind of stuck. And if you've ever tried to work with customer support with Google or Apple or Facebook or any of these things, it's... I'd, I'd rather paint someone's house. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate painting houses. <laughs> <laughs> so... The... Um, uh, I ran into this problem with my iPhone too, um, but using messaging apps, part of the issue is that I'm not on cell service uh, 90% of the time, maybe 95% right. of the time. I'm off of Wi-Fi right. because um, where our house is situated, there's no cell service. Right. Uh, you have to go up on the hill to get that. Right. And um, so when people send me stuff through the regular through text just a regular sms text message right yeah um it doesn't always come through right away like media files right like videos or photos that they're sending yeah or even sometimes if somebody else has has in a group text um like my brothers do this uh they'll send like some link right right right. um political link you know right um and uh I don't really care if I read it or not, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, can we just talk? Um, and they, uh, it won't download. Oh yeah, right. And then anybody who comments or says anything in a just a regular text, none of those would download either. But once I get up to cell service, they do. 
Right. And and that, I think that's a Wi-Fi issue, cell, you know, right. connection. Wi-Fi calling kind of mode. Right. Yeah. Versus um, being on. On the actual like LTE connection. Yeah. 5G or. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that that can happen with iPhone as well as. But that's that's something I've accepted. Right. When I get a text in, through that instead of signal, I just say, well. I'll read it when it comes through or when I see it. Whatever. Yeah. It's, you know. Now, it's funny that your sister texts me through her Pixel phone every morning. She texts everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of her gifts come through and her, right. um, you know, all of it. It never not downloads with her. I think that the folks that are sending me something through SMS is sending it through iPhones. Right, because what happens is when an iPhone sends out media, if it's sending it to another iPhone, it just goes through iMessage servers. So they're going only through Apple servers, and it can send the rich media a lot easier. Uh, when When an iPhone user is sending something to someone who's on Android, regardless of what model they're on, whether it's Graphene OS or stock on Android or whatever. And they're, they're working on this. I say they, mm-hmm. meaning Google. They're trying to implement new tech, new protocols, I think RCS or something like that. Um, but it's really a limitation of the cell network providers in that there's only so much memory there's, that's allocated to fit that message. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, especially with threaded conversations, uh, where multiple people are involved and they're replying and adding images, that it congests it to the point where it just kind of holds it and it can't send it because what it also does is if you ever got a, a photo from if you have an or if you're an Android user and you get a photo from an iPhone user, it's like very small, like mm-hmm. it's sized down to the point where it's almost blurry. You can't really see it that well. And that happens because there's a fixed limit size um, on on how much data can be transferred in that message. So I think that is just maybe also partly by design. Because, and the reason why I say that is because Apple has gone out of their way to make it very difficult to be uh, in text message conversations with non-iPhone users. Mm-hmm. That, that's where the whole blue green bubble thing came from because they don't have those limitations of file size and all that because they're, it's all going through Apple servers. Mm-hmm. It's on iMessage. Mm-hmm. So in order to keep it's it's so that's what i think prohibits a lot or keeps i've even seen the conversations in our own chat well my friends and family are on iphone and it just makes life easier i understand i get it i i converse with a lot of people professionally who are all on ios devices and a lot of times it's used as a communication channel they don't look at it as texting iphone users don't look at iMessage as texting they look at it as communicating as they look at it as a messaging app not texting so because they don't have any problems, especially if they're all communicating with other iPhone users. And this is a big sticking point for people. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is something you have to give up if you're going to move to an Android-based platform. This is where things like Signal bridge the gap really well. Really well. There is absolute videos, videos, photos, responding, laughing on people's things, replying to someone's uh, 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 part of the conversation from eight post messages ago. You can reply Mm -hmm. back to that. So Mm -hmm. context maintains continuity throughout the conversation. And on top of that, it's end-to-end encrypted. So the conversation stays between the people. You can set to the, the content to be ephemeral. You can set disappearing messages to a day, an hour, a week, two weeks. So that way, hey, after two weeks, everything that we've talked about, it just goes into the, it just disappears. It deletes itself. Um, 
that might be a safe thing, especially if you're giving each other, talking about personal things in those conversations. At least, you know, hey, every two weeks it's purging out that conversation. Mm-hmm. And who really needs to go back more than two weeks, mm-hmm. especially in a group conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And you can change it depending upon your needs. Um, so for me, I always think that, or I say that, Try to move your family to Signal. If you have a mix of iPhone users and Android, and there's no way they're going to go to Graphene OS and D-Google, but maybe they could go ahead. A lot of people are already using WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. Just use Signal. Right. Because then everyone gets to have that same rich experience without having any of these limitations and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And you get that end-to-end encrypted you know, communication, which is nice to keep things nice and tidy and private. Yeah. And I was just... Lastly, I just want to say that um, using my favorite apps has not been a problem. On like, your Pixel with Graphene OS? Yes. Right? Like, um, so uh, even my, so I just, I have the Sandbox. Right, right. And and the, my Google Play Store is inside the Sandbox. I love that imagery. Right. Because, you know, you can't see anything in the sand. Right. And um, so I can use all of my favorite apps. I think there's just one that wasn't. I think it was Hulu. Hulu. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and I don't use Hulu anyway because Hulu has commercials. Your dad watches it <laughs> right. for the uh, for football. football. For sure. I'm like, we're so. T-. And by the way, he doesn't have a de-googled phone. No. Right. And he has the exact same issues with with the right. texting. He's running iPhone. stock Android on a Pixel Six. Correct. Right. So, you know, it's it's just being off an iPhone. But I like what, you know, like they see it as communicating or whatever, messaging with each other. I didn't realize how that's tracked as well. Yes. You know, yeah. so getting your whole family and friends community onto Signal is like, hey, let's just go one step of privacy. Yeah. You know, one step. And we're going to have just as great of experience we're just, and everybody can do it, whether no matter what phone they have, mm-hmm. let's just all get on the same. You right, know. right. And it, it's it's a hard sell to some people until they get on and you start using it. And then it just becomes part of your daily life, yeah. just like any other app. And I love how people are like, I don't want another app. Whatever. You have over 100 apps on your phone. You can, you can run an app. Especially if it's something that is as critical as communication with other people, mm-hmm. um, I can get that if you're trying to get someone to download some gambling app or something, they'd be like, "I'm not, I'm not downloading that." But we're talking about an end-to-end encrypted communication app that's cross-platform and it makes everyone's life, it enhances everyone's life. Um, and so I kind of have gotten to that point where it's like, talk to me on Signal or Session. Otherwise, you're not going to talk to me. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try to text me on SMS, I'm probably not going to reply. Mm-hmm. And that's just important. Yeah. You know, otherwise, call me. But uh, texting, it's, you know, what a boomer thing to do. Get on signal. Get on session. (laughs) I got to throw the boomer joke out there, right? Uh, So, you know, I I think that... um, I think so far, watching you through this experience this this past year, make that transition, I I was, as your IT person, your tech person, I was a little, uh, like, unsure of, like, hmm, how much extra it stuff is this going to layer on top of me which i'm happy to do but i was like oh my gosh i hope this does i hope she don't have a lot of problems and honestly you've had a few issues here and there nothing that's been not something we couldn't resolve within an afternoon and an hour a couple hours or whatever one of them was just a back-end issue that's more my problem running the next cloud server and 
you've actually seemed more delighted with your technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got some really cool earbuds, and your Garmin watch works really well with your phone. Super well. And you're just kind of like, you seem like everything is generally super groovy, you know? Yeah, and, you know, um, I don't need an iPhone for my work like you Right, do. right. Um, and I don't, oh, by the way, just, you know, so as I was building up to this, the thing that uh, I can tell you the day I decided I'm doing this, I was flying back uh, uh, from out of state with two of my grandchildren, and uh, one of them was nine years old, and she had an old iPhone. Right. And um, trying to get to our next flight, you know, and I'm thinking about backpacks and stuff because one's six, one's nine years old. Right. You know, like, okay, I'm super, like, okay, focused on that. She left her iPhone in the seat. And um, we were already, like, getting on the next plane when, oh, when we figured it out. So I filed a report, and it didn't come through. But I told her, Mima's getting a new phone. If we can't get yours back, you can have this one. And um, and so she has that one. Yeah. And uh, as I looked at my Apple Watch, her sister had an iPhone, her 14-year-old sister. Right. And I thought, well, you know, it's not to give her something like an iPhone and right. not send something to the other one. So I sent her my Apple Watch. So they go on to live their, their full life. Yeah. Now they're just not tied to your identity. <laughs> they're not. And I'm fine with that. Right. I, right. I know I don't want an Apple phone again. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, that's just me. I mean, iPhone. Yeah. I still have my Mac sure. uh, computer uh, and and uh, I don't use it much. I use my work. Well, uh, yeah, you use it as a computer when you need a computer. I mean, right. it's because it, you do work on a work computer most of the day. So generally, yeah. you're not trying to get on the computer unless you want to. And and I but use, you're not I use around a your Brave browser right. to try to slow down the tracking sure. when I'm on it. Uh, but I use Brave for my work too. Right. Right. Um, to just try to you know, or any kind of browser that right. Less just not time. use. Don't use Google Chrome. Uh, you know, Brave is great. Firefox is great. There's mm-hmm. some other ones that are uh, really good. Um, honestly, really e- using anything that just helps create barriers between you and the spying mm-hmm. is going to benefit you. Like I said, uh, depending upon your threat model and what you're trying to achieve, you may need to go more hardcore or less hardcore. And I, we have been going pretty hard in the paint on this podcast for like the last several episodes with uh, Josh side of burritos, big, great, great, YouTuber doing good, awesome content on Graphene OS, like how-to videos and things of that nature. Um, but it does get pretty deep sometimes and technical. And so sometimes, you know, just putting up small barriers in front of you and using things like a password manager, privacy.com, if you're in the United States for your shielding, your privacy, your, um, you know, your transactions. Um, you know, I understand. I don't expect everyone on that listens to be jumping right into de-Googled phones and all that, but you signal. Mm-hmm. Use, use, signal. use a password manager mm-hmm. uh, use a privacy respecting browser on your phone uh, find ways to maybe limit you know how much uh, you use use my sudo or 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 simple login to alias your login accounts so you're not using your real email address everywhere these are some really basic simple things that you can do right away yes some of them cost money 
They're not that much money, but how much is your privacy worth to you? Is it worth a hundred bucks a year? Yeah. You could pay for all of those for a hundred bucks a year. Right. You could have a, a, a two my pseudo account, a Bitwarden account. Privacy.com is, doesn't charge you, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what is it, what is it worth? Uh, everyone has to, has to answer that question for themselves, but that's one of the things like NT, E-N-T-E. I know some, it's an application I've been using. It does end to end encrypted for your photos. So if you have an iPhone, mm-hmm. if you have an Android phone, if you have a Mac, you have Linux, it'll work on everything. It encrypts your photos and uploads and syncs them to uh, their cloud server, uh, but they don't have access to your images, your photos. So if you're like, oh, I want to get off, I want to get off my photos off off of iPhoto, off iCloud, mm-hmm. that could be a really good route. Unless you know, otherwise you got to find a way to download them somewhere else, right? So okay, it's not free; it costs money. I'm fine. Please let it cost money. I know it costs money. I run our own servers. It, I pay for virtual servers and everything else and infrastructure. And sometimes you need software licensing for things. Pay for your stuff. If not, you, like you said earlier, you're the product. Your phone's using you as the product mm-hmm. and not the other way around. And not having a secure um, accounts and, mm-hmm. and purchases online. I mean, every time you register your email, you are opening another floodgate to right. more that to to more uh, emails and and ads and not just one from one address you get from marketing oh, you yeah. get from you know customer service you get them all yeah. you get on like eight lists for one company right and that way if you unsubscribe to one you know they You're got still, you on yeah. there and yeah. I I'm in sales I understand the whole you know unsubscribe thing but um, but if you just use sudo, and sudo is free, mm-hmm. you only pay if you want to uh, have uh, the phone number. Phone service. number, correct. I decided to go with the phone number. Yeah, and it's really cheap, like ten bucks a year or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, for a, one sudo, I, I have like the max, which is like nine, and it's only like eight or ten bucks a month. Right, you know, because then when you register new accounts on anything you purchase, you have to put in a phone number. Correct. And now you're on more sales lists for these obnoxious phone calls. How much is all of that time and weeding through all of those junk emails, spam emails and everything, what's that worth to you? Is right. that worth 10 bucks yeah. a year? <laughs> you know, like how much time does that put back in your pocket right. at the end of the year from just not having to weed through all of that and get all those stupid phone calls, you know? Yeah. Um, I think like Bitwarden is only like three bucks a month you pay for the year yeah it's super cheap what kind of time does that save you yeah. especially with like registering on all those portals and everything that you're talking exactly. about you know exactly. you don't have to worry about keeping track of passwords and if there's a breach it's only good for that one account right you can go back and change it right and even if there's a breach in those portals if they're trying to line up emails with me i mean uh passwords with me right they're not going to get my taffy one two three right <laughs> Right, the old school one. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, they're not getting those. Right, right. Anymore. I, I, I'm not. And Your high school mascot plus you know one two one or whatever right, you know right. the date you graduated. Um, you know, you turned me on to Dark Nick Diaries. I love that podcast. And uh, thank you, Jack Recider. Yes, um, we're uh, both Patreon subscribers to his yes, channel. Yes, yes. So. Um, but that is eye opening about. You know that they just run this this program for every uh, every login 
right. you know, to every bank, school, yeah, institution. Like a, a brute force login attack. Adam, yeah. right. uh, uh, admin. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a user. Is a you name. And know? eventually they figure uh, it out. And they figure it out and they make these, you know, they make these hacks. And, yeah. And, and then they apply what, what passwords they've hacked from you or figured out on you. You know, and they go run it across the most top 100 services out there and right. start seeing what they Boom. get logged into. And it just makes me and whoever does this less vulnerable to right. so many because they're going to keep doing their stuff. They're going to keep doing it, and it's just always going to be with us. You know, it, there's it, hacking's not going and away. It's, especially with nation states and everything, and, and uh, like kind of tensions heightening in mm-hmm. our current environment with mm-hmm. what's going on in the middle uh, with with Russia and Ukraine, and I, I, I see Switzerland's kind of starting to get nervous again. They're going to start ramping up, probably building more tunnels again and putting in those bunkers. They're really good at that stuff, you know. Uh, it just seems like people... So uh, digital warfare is the easiest to do. Right. And they're... When I say there, I'm talking about nation state actors, probably even our own nation, are mm-hmm. fighting against other nations and wars that we can't visually see. They're happening online. They're happening in, in cyberspace, so to speak. And uh, personal information is, is being weaponized against nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens through, uh, you know, these heists where they're doing, you know, holding information hostage. Uh, you have to basically pay up, you know, pay in Bitcoin. There's all these different types of things that are happening. And it's, it's only going to get, it's only going to increase. It's not going to decrease. Well, I mean, look, just like look what happened the war on drugs. Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Southwest Airlines. Like we don't know if they were hacked, but it's very possible. It's very possible that it could have been ransomware and like and they, they have held a, everything hostage. It could be for you know. I would not be the least bit surprised if we find out a month from now that it was ransomware and they had to. And it could be they have old systems. It's like not like it's you know they're updating these things annually. These things are like decades old in some right. cases just right. like a lot of old banking applications exactly. still run yeah. on as 400s not as many now but they were for a long time up even until the mid teens right 2013 2014 2015 i know because i've been involved in consulting projects that have to figure out how to solution some of those things to new moving them off servers and moving them over to azure amazon web services things of that nature so uh there's there's Critical infrastructure everywhere mm-hmm. that is open for right. for being attacked, and you have to look at yourself as part of that. You know, it, you're because you're using a lot of these platforms, so your data is the one at stake. Right. If it's I, mean, I, I have you know two Southwest uh, accounts, maybe three, maybe one for your sister. You know. Yeah, and I have a Southwest account. I try not to store my credit card information there. Inside the thing, yeah, same. But then, like, when I go to book a flight, it's there. You know, like, (sighs) I didn't authorize that. Right. But it's there. And so where are those passwords for those accounts? They're all locked down in Bitwarden. Right. You know, they are harder to find, and they're all unique. They're not going to be the same. They're not going to find that anywhere but tied to one account. Right. So, yeah, it's just we've got to – we've got – to arm ourselves, protect ourselves from from what we can do. Mm-hmm. We can't do it all. We can't, you know, we and like you said, we can't do anything about wars that are going to happen. But the cyber wars, the things that are happening that are unseen mm-hmm. but just as destructive, 
just ask any passenger on Southwest this last couple of weeks over Christmas, you know, like, uh, it's misery. Mm-hmm. And so anytime our information gets hacked and used, it's, it's a miserable process for us. Right. You know, and right. we can just, we can limit that by, by doing the things you guys talk about. Yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, Taking the time to come on. This has been fun to unpack this. There's a lot of things that you and I haven't even discussed until now about this process and this journey. I call it a journey because I don't really feel like there's a beginning and an end destination. I feel like you're always looking at different horizons and different mountains and saying, well, what's over there? What's over there? Or how can I, let's go in that direction. And maybe you pivot. Maybe you come to a fork in the road and you go right instead of left. There's no one size fits all same path for all of us. We're all on a different, we're kind of heading in in a similar direction where we're trying to achieve something that brings peace to our lives, but we're not all following the same path to get there. Exactly. And and some people have limitations. Some people might be in this, you know, uh, example might be in a wheelchair. I can't climb the mountain, so how do I go around the mountain? And that's kind of what we're here to do is find and explore different ways to do that. Some might be more advanced. Some might be simpler. But and, and I And I struggle with this a lot too, is that sometimes you find yourself not able to give something up even though you want to. You find a way around it. Sometimes it may mean some inconvenience. Maybe it means you carry two devices instead of one. Maybe it means you have two laptops instead of one. Or maybe it means you have multiple pseudo identities to achieve something. It may be a little extra work on your part, but in the end, it brings you a little bit more peace and joy in your life knowing that like, well, at least I'm doing what I can to limit my exposure to surveillance or marketing or hacks and data breaches that would expose my uh, you know, data or my credit card information or something like that. And you're never going to be 100%, but if you can limit it, it's like if you can't, keep people from breaking into your house but if they did break into that house maybe they only grab one item instead of a hundred because the guard dog came out Mm -hmm. right it's that kind of a thing because he wasn't fenced because he wasn't fenced (laughs) what a great way to end the podcast (laughs) i'm gonna call this one don't fence your dogs (laughs) um so thanks for coming on i'll have you on again at some point um and uh uh, so I need to get Michael on, my brother. He's been requested by by listeners as of you, as I've mentioned it. So I, maybe that's a lesson for me not to start mentioning you guys again too soon because it's like I don't always know when I can get you on. But I definitely have enjoyed this, and I think that uh, the people listening will have uh, – it'll be – it's nice to get other perspectives and to find out where people are coming from. And also, too, what brought you to that point because I think that's where what connects a lot of us, uh, regardless of – uh, political views or religious views, we all kind of get brought together by this like moment where you're like, all right, <laughs> it's enough of that. How do I, how do I change this? And that's the commonality that keeps us all finding solutions together. And that's, that's what I enjoy. So thank you all for listening. Thank you to the Patreon support that, that we're getting each month. If you want to contribute financially, that might be the easiest way. We also do accept crypto and other um, ways of individual support. There are people who I'm thankful that um, I haven't mentioned on this episode, but I will on the next one that send Satoshi's over the lightning network. Um, 
through podcasting 2.0. So thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, if there's any, any, uh, anything you want to know, hit me up in the matrix, hit me up on Twitter or follow on Mastodon, go set up your Mastodon account. You just go to closednetwork.io and you can follow the links right from the homepage. We have four different links, one for the search engine, one for the off topic channel for the matrix, one for the matrix main channel, and now the Mastodon server. So, oh, we also have the private search engine up there too. Uh, so feel free to use that because I pay for all these servers. So please use them. <laughs> so, um, Mima, thanks for coming on. Thanks any, for any, me. any parting words? Um, just want to say like, if, if you're one of those people who can help those people in your community, um, it will, it, it would be such a service and it, you know, sometimes we wonder what our purpose is and right. how we contribute, um, uh, what's our calling. This is an area, you know, like I, I can't do what you do, right? But, um, but because you do what you do, and you do it for your family and friends, I know you help a lot of people. You know, we are all benefiting uh, on such, and it just spreads, right? And so, um, that's all. Just thank you. Awesome. Thank you for what you do and for your listeners who do it for their communities. Just know that, you know, they're they're serving such a greater purpose. Right on. Well, you're welcome. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll catch you in the next episode. Okay. Keep me down, I'm going And if I ever fail, just know I'll go again I never quit, cause I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going up I, I bet when I land, they gon' tell me it's luck again